Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the yeah, you see, it's not dead air tonight, and you're not going to get wrong going, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, because we're missing the main host at the moment. At the moment, there's just me. So, from West Wales, as Ron always introduces me, the gold standard in ghost hunting, which is a really pathetic title. You know, I mean, how do you become the gold standard in ghost hunting just by doing something properly? I guess that says a lot about the rest of it. Anyway, um, so while we wait for Ron to uh, struggle to do whatever Ron needs to do to go on air, the show was going to be about, or one of my creepiest stories, that's right, Kirsten, the show was going to be um, about tonight the launch of a new book entitled Ghostology, The Art of the Ghost Hunter, um, written by, well, me, actually, I guess. So uh, I guess... I could talk. To, I could interview myself until Ron gets here, or uh, or somebody in the chat room could could help out as well. Um, <laughs> while I read the chat messages as well from from the station producer, they're still searching for him. Uh, the hunt is on. So if anybody's seeing you, England's own Van Helsing, uh, do please give a shout out to us and let us know. Anyway, <clears throat> so ghostology, the art of the ghost hunter. Uh, so tell us, Steve, how did you come to write the book? Well, funny you should ask that. The book is actually a book that I never planned on writing. Um, I'd always said that you can't... I never wanted to write a book about ghost hunting. It seemed to me that there were too many already on the market. Uh, you know, looking at my own bookshelf here, um, there are just countless of them, uh, how-to guides for ghost hunting. And, you know, uh, the person for the you know, people who are interested in reading about how to ghost hunt is... Um, I'm just watching it. Is Ron coming on? Anyway, the people who are interested in ghost hunting, that they'll just go along to a shelf and they'll pick up any book and they've got no way of really knowing, you know, why one particular book is any better than the other i mean the, everybody that writes a book on ghost hunting claims to be a ghost uh, ghost expert um you know it's like just one of those things isn't it you know you come across as either a real know-it-all or some dumbass uh, you write down your methods you tell everybody hey that's the way you want to do things or this is the way you should do things and that wasn't what my plan was. And so this was the book I was never going to write. But it occurred to me, um, it was actually while I was with The Missing Host, uh, while we were printing out the course notes for uh, the Ghostology course, and he was bitching and moaning about how many pages I was printing out on his antiquated inkjet, that uh, there was actually the basis of a book, because I think the course notes were running to 197 pages. So uh, that got me a thinking that maybe there was a book in there. Um, so hence the, the book and the title, The Art of the Ghost Hunter, comes about because it's hard to it's hard to separate it from science. A lot of people describe ghost hunting as science, but science is a methodology. Um, 
it's more of an art because it's a humanity dealing with people. Um, so I, I suggest that's a humanity rather than a science. So it's not the science of the ghost hunter, it's the art of the ghost hunter. Um, whilst we're still waiting, he might actually be here, I don't know. I'm waiting for a noise in my ear to tell me he's here. But hey, um, I've got some questions from... Oh, he's there. Well, I'm going to finish oh, this question in the chat room. So what's the opinion about debugging, debunking on the paranormal uh, from John? Um, actually, John, I don't believe, I don't believe in debunking. I, I think that's actually a slightly negative term because it suggests that you've, you've gone in with a preconceived idea that um, there is something to bunk or that it is bunk. And I think what you've got to do is you've got to go in with an absolutely open mind. Uh, you've got to go in and set your own beliefs and your own expectations at the door of the haunted building. But so without further ado, what's the difference between debunking and being skeptical? Aren't you, when you're skeptical, you, you debunk? Um, debunking is part of it, but it's, it's not... I hate term. that word, by the way. Yeah, I hate it too, because... It, for me, it, it means a preconceived idea. And there are two versions of the word sceptical because, you know, the, the, it should mean that you're open-minded, that you're objective, that you are, um, you know, open to the possibilities of what takes place. But in actual fact, what it's come to mean is somebody who is cynical, critical, who is uh, out to disprove or, or intrinsically doesn't believe. So it's not even a term I like using either. Um, yes, I am sceptical, I am critical, but I like to think critically. But don't you go in, I know yourself, don't you go in with preconceived notions? Absolutely not. Uh, that's one oh, thing. No, that, I have to disagree with you on that. Well, that's, a, a, that's your impression, because um, I've managed over the years, I, th I think... Uh, I could answer that by saying that I, I annoy and irritate believers just as much as I annoy and irritate skeptics. So you've seen it from one side, but there are, are people of different persuasion who are equally ir irritated by my approach. Now, if I'm an annoying both sides equally, then I guess I'm pretty well down the middle. Yes, so if, if, someone, if someone goes in with a, a ghost meter or any other crazy device and and get some type of reaction and don't you just immediately dismiss it as as being just natural phenomena uh well you should know better than that because you've actually been with me when we've looked at these devices now i will i will dismiss a device once i've had the opportunity to get hands-on to test it to try it out to take it apart to find out how it works what it's doing to understand what it is and to understand the claims that are being made about it and for it um, you know you can take a device and you can say this talks to dead people or this detects um, energy fields but I, I i can't turn around and say that's ludicrous it whatever my basic instincts might be um my training might be um that that would be wrong and that would be a, a bad way of, of of approaching it so what i have to do is to obtain the device, um, to tear it down, to find out what it's actually doing, to find out how you use it, to take it out on investigations, to try it out, to observe people using it, to find out how they're using it, to read their results, and make a judgment on it. And once I've made my judgment, then 
you know, then I can give an opinion. And that opinion might might be contrary uh, to other people's opinions. That might be a negative opinion. And that might come across then, therefore, as being uh, a debunker and a sceptic. But I would only reach that conclusion after I've satisfied myself of its credentials and the credentials of the claims that are being made for it. Well, let's, let's I mean, let's, there are many claims, for instance, the K2 motor, meter, right? Yeah. Lots. Okay, right. So lots of claims on that. Have you used it extensively in any investigation, or have seen other people uh, who use it ordinarily on, on investigations and uh, seen any unusual results with it? Um, I've certainly uh, I've owned several K twos over the years. Um, yeah, I understand that. And I've I've tore one down. I've extensively used them. We've I understand taken that them, too. We've taken them on to investigate. We've used them in exactly the same way that other investigators have used them. We've asked for responses. We've asked for lights to flash. Um, and we, I've obviously been on many investigations where K2s have been deployed and used. And I've also watched YouTube footage where they've been presented as part of the evidence package. Now, in, in addition to put you – you can't just put a K2 in isolation. You also have to find out – I mean, it is an electromagnetic field meter, so you can try it out alongside calibrated meters that we do have to see if we can detect the energy emissions that it's responding to mm-hmm. as well. And after doing all that – I mean, the thing has been kicking around now for, what, uh, about 10 years. Um, it's essentially – it was it made by a couple – Unfortunately, it does. It was it was made and designed by a company called Safe Range um, in the USA, and it was designed and and aimed at a market because people were were uh, alarmed at by microwaves, the at microwaves from cell tower, from yeah. cellular phone emissions, and from Wi-Fi, and from this plethora of devices that we now have in our daily lives, and for the health effects. And the Safe Range came out with this device. They called it the the uh, the cell sensor, uh, the K2 meter, sorry. Um, now, Ghost Hunters took some work by, by a Canadian urologist, uh, uh, Michael Persinger, who suggested that electromagnetic fields, when they were uh, placed in close proximity to the brain, would cause people to have paranormal-like experiences. And they, they sort of made this link between electromagnetic fields and ghosts. And they turned it around on its head and it became the ghost detector now what what's actually happened down the years is people went out they bought these devices i mean i think they were about 25 bucks from uh, safe range Uh, if you put a ghost detector label on it it became 35 to 75 bucks at the peak of its popularity but people suddenly started to realize that actually they weren't detecting ghosts with them but the, the lights were flashing and they they started to use them as instead of ghost detectors as ghost communicators. So we looked at that method too. Can can the dead? In fact, I I got a research grant for an ex- series of experiments designed to look at can the dead communicate with the living using uh, electronic means other than electronic voice. So could they flash lights on on meters? Could they cause uh, you know, needles to flicker on dials. Was this was this possible, or was you know, or what, were we just dealing with people putting order into the flashing of lights? They see lights flashing, and 
you know, I, I could point you at the Maglite experiment as a classic example of that. Um, it's a very, you know, it's a very simple to explain mecha- electromechanical process. The metal heats up and expands, uh, and it makes mm-hmm. and breaks the contact. And the the bulb on the on the Maglite flickers, and people see in that a means of communication. In, a, in the, they impose their own beliefs. They impose their own um, thoughts and, and, and questions onto this random flashing. With the K two, predominantly, it's responding to. Well, it's obviously responding to uh, electromagnetic signals that are man-made and relatively nearby. Now, people assume that they would be from, for example, inside the room or within inside the building. Um, now, it could just as easily be that you have a response from a passing electromagnetic emission, such as a police car or a taxi or a, you know some other emergency vehicle, any radio-equipped vehicle, in fact. Uh, but also it can respond to the wiring in the building. One of the interesting things that we did discover using our frequency um, uh, EMF meters that provide not just amplitude data but also frequency data is that it was actually the, the majority of electromagnetics in a, in a domestic or, or non-domestic setting where the power was turned off was coming from long wave and medium wave radio broadcasts and the, the actual metallic structure and the wiring within inside the building was acting as an antenna and, and re-radiating the signal, concentrating it, if you like, in pockets within inside the building. And so you could get these, these flickering and fluctuations on meters. You could also get them from electricity pylons. Uh, you could also get them, the, the, one of the most common sources of EMF in, in, on a ghost investigation is either the investigator's you know, equipment, their cell phones, the other equipment, their camcorders, the cameras, you know, all of the other gadgets and gizmos that they carry around with them are all emitting electromagnetic fields. So it's not really surprising that the thing is chirruping and flashing away merrily and then you end up in a situation where people are putting order onto that chaotic light flickering. Interesting. Don't hey, particularly hey. agree with you, but that's all right. So let's go back to ghost ghostiology. Ghostiology. Yep, Ooh. ghostiology. And <laughs> well, I prefer so, that title, actually. I wish I'd done that one. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you, you, it took you how long to – it's based on your, your course notes, Correct. It is. Um, it's a book that, as, as I said at the start of the show, it's a book that I never planned or wanted to write. Um, yeah, you understand the beginning of it, but it's based on your your notes. But is there additional uh, information besides your notes in, within its uh, covers? Oh, it, massively. Uh, not just, I mean, you remember um, me printing out the notes. I think they ran to around about 180 pages of... Yes, yes, we went through this. Uh, yeah, of A4. Um it's it's all of the stuff that we printed out back then has been uh, extensively revised, brought up to date, um, but also the there are now well over three hundred pages. So um, it's been expanded because what we're dealing with. Uh, I wanted to. It gave me the opportunity to turn the course notes into into a book, um, and that meant. Effectively, almost a rewrite using the the course notes as a core as a core of ideas and material, uh, but very little of the original core survives uh, in the form that it was printed out, as you saw it, twelve eighteen months ago now. 
mm-hmm. quite a while ago. So it's interesting that you expanded it and you updated it, which is good because all materials should be updated and just as 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 equipment should be calibrated, uh, information should definitely be updated. It's it's two important things that we should do as as uh, people who investigate. Uh, however, that being said, uh, for someone who buys this book mm. and we hope you do. Uh, what can they expect to receive from it besides the, the physical book itself? Uh, well, it's, it's, I hope that they don't perceive it as uh, a, this is how you will investigate ghosts. What I hope that they will uh, get from it are the basic uh, foundations of good practice, the Lego bricks of ghost hunting, um, critical thinking, uh, a little bit of history, uh, too, because it's important to to put our modern ghost hunting in context. Uh, You know, it isn't a creation of the 21st century. It didn't start with uh, the ghost hunters. It didn't start with most haunted. It goes back thousands of years. And there have been many, many people over down, down the centuries who have studied the phenomena we call ghosts. It, it discusses, you know, it's all of the, the things that people need um, in order to uh, carry out investigations. Uh, it's the things that they do anyway. Um, how they then take these Lego bricks, these basic foundations, and put them together, that's, that's down to the individual because it's important that I'm, I'm not telling anybody how, you know, don't do it my way, do it your own way. Uh, because what works for parascience, what works for my group, will not work for your group because your group has a different dynamic. It has different personalities. Everybody who is investigating the paranormal starts off, I, 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 I presume, with, a, with their own question. The question that brought you into the paranormal will be different than mine, um, and everybody will have a different question, the answer of which they're, they're seeking to find. But some of the methods are common. Um, you know, this idea of think critically. Don't just assume everything is paranormal or not paranormal. It 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 allows people to develop their own theories. It encourages people to read widely, to 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 consider both sides of an argument before forming an opinion. But also, it, a lot of what ghost hunting is about is inevitably down to equipment, and so. A lot of, from my own experience, I've discovered that a lot of ghost hunters um, have slightly uh, distorted views of the equipment that they're using and what why it is they're using them. When you what say distorted, what do you mean by distorted views? It's, dis- it's distorted. It's distorted by the the information that they've been given, predominantly from the social media and from the television programs. Now, it's not. Nowhere in in ghostology is it a rant against the machine. It is, uh, this is what a K2 is, this is what it does, this is how, you know, this is what the manufacturer designed it to do. So it's it's giving people the basic information about the equipment, talking about the basic ways to measure uh, phenomena, because 
a lot of what ghost investigation is about is about uh, monitoring and measuring things. So how do we make measurements? How do we record those measurements? How do we do we prefer analog or digital techniques? It discusses both possibilities um, and allows people to to reach their own conclusions. For example, a lot of people take video, they take uh, photography, they take sound recordings. But what do they do with them afterwards? Do they all know what yeah. to do with them afterwards? You know, it, it, it's not a, this is what you must do, but these are things that you can do and that you should consider doing once you've made your recordings, once you've taken your photographs. Uh, and it also there's also a sort of nod to the future because things that uh, it does look at as well is the future of ghost hunting. You know, we, we have we live in a, 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 a an age where technology is evolving at a rapid pace and techniques have to keep pace with that. And we have to consider new technology. The ghost arc is about to hit the market. The, you know, the uh, what, what did you what's the one you've just picked up? I can't remember what it's called now. Just call me Eddie. 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 And it's British equivalent. Um, so, so new technology arrives all the time and has to be integrated. But we have, we have technology included in in phones and in, and in uh, tablet computers that also uh, need to be considered. So it looks at that too. I agree. But uh, so, what do you do when you you have this new equipment coming in? And you know, of course, you've already purchased the book. For instance, the ghost doc will be coming in, and it's not covered in the book. Is there a uh, another book coming out in the future, or is it or uh, an addendum? Or, or how are you going to be handling that? Well, at the moment, um, one of the good things was that the book was published on the 3rd of November. It's just reaching full stock in Amazon. It keeps going in and out of stock as people are, I'm pleased to say, buying it. But right up until the last minute, so uh, a week before publication, I was able to uh, make some final amendments. And I can still do that um, at, at you know, at different points in the future, oh, okay. uh, I, whether there'll be a second book or whether it will just be a updated, new edition, new yeah. editions. Yeah. Uh, but but also, uh, it has its own Facebook uh, group page, which I always encourage uh, readers uh, purchase of the of the book to join because, as with its forerunner, Paracoustics, um, it allows us to put live updates in the form of PDFs that people can print out so we can keep pace with modern technology and modern... Oh, that's advances. a good idea. At some point, I dare say there will probably be a, re- uh, a large-scale revision, but up until the point of publication, I think that's the problem with any book. Once it's printed, you, you end up in a situation of it becomes a fixed um, point in time and in in some ways that's also a good thing because it allows you to you know looking at my own bookshelf um and and i i know your extensive bookshelf too uh, looking back through older books is is often quite interesting because it allows you to look back in time to different eras and different thoughts and ideas and we can still learn a lot from the past you know, I get a great deal of, of ideas and information and inspiration from books that were written in the 18th and 19th century uh, because I think we, we often rush forward um, and, and, and just discard the past, particularly with, with digital technology. You know, everybody has a, a digital audio recorder and very few groups now use analogue, you know, the tape-based uh, methods of recording, right. even the mini-discs. Mini now... 
there is a great deal of there were a great deal of interesting recordings uh, from the early days of EVP that were made on tape. Likewise, there were a great many interesting ghost photographs that were made using film technology, such as the Brown Lady, that were never satisfactorily answered. And yet, we've discarded that. We've just thrown it all to one side and rushed headlong into a completely new technology with its own set of questions and inevitably its own set of unanswered questions. See, that, so, that is. That has always been my my mantra is, is that we're so quick to discard the past and we really don't realize that you have, you know, hundreds of years of, of investigation with old methods that uh, shouldn't, you know, be discarded uh, so easily. I think absolutely. I, I mean, it's crucial we, that we don't forget the past. One of the things that you know, the modern ghost hunter is, is probably guilty of um, is discarding the past, rushing headlong at technology, you know, getting the ghost art, getting the just call me Eddie device, and forgetting that. You know, you know we why are, that is. You know why that is, right? Um, we love. We love. Well, ghost hunters have always loved the gadgets. That's, yeah, that's certainly the case. Besides that, it makes them look credible because they have the latest technology. Well, there's no doubt about that. The, the old saying: "Clothes make us the man, and flight cases make the ghost hunter." Mm-hmm. That's certainly yeah, so, true. Yeah, so that that's actually a, a flaw. Uh, you know, it actually can uh, can uh, hurt you. I mean, I remember last year when you came over here and we did the Harry Price ghost hunt, and you know, it was really bas- back to basics. It was observation and recording, uh, which is I, I'm probably saying that wrong. Is a better way to say that, Steve? I'm not sure. Um, but that's what you, you it is. did. It's, it's observation and documenting what you're doing. Documented. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, thank you very much. And, you know, that was such a, you know, a crucial uh, method of investigating that is often overlooked today with all these gadgets we have. And it's it, it's not um, contrary to the modern gadget. You can You can integrate the technology into that, but you shouldn't throw the old methods aside. You know, the idea of writing on a piece of paper is still just as valid now as it was 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. Especially since now I have these new LED pens that write in the dark. Ooh, get you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Madeline from uh, Spirit Quest. She, she uh, sent me those so the pilot pens, actually. Uh, I think I, I think I actually have one somewhere here. Oh, that does not surprise me. I'll rummage around during the ad break because I think <laughs> actually somebody gave me one. Uh, it lights up at the tip when you're writing on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other end of it's got a tablet, you know, one of those things for um, like a uh, – what did he do for, for moving a tablet on a, on a uh, touchscreen? Stylus. Stylus, that's the word. Yeah. Anyway, we have an ad break coming up. Yes, we do, and very shortly. So uh, anyways um, – there's so many things to look at. We're going to talk a little bit more about ghostology and, and this wonderful book that you have written. That comes in uh, several uh, forms, right? Hardcover and uh, uh, no, just two. Um, just the Paracoustics is in three. Yeah, this is paperback and Kindle e- ebook, which works with uh, sort of any any sort of electronic tablet reader. Oh, okay. So that's that's excellent. I mean, there's the modern times again. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. It's time for us to take a break. So you're listening to the Ghost Chronicles International with uh, the most reverend Steve Parson and the foolish Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Radio Crackle, the Ghost Box, and 
something else. Yeah, you know, I understand we're being listening uh, one of the, one of the favorite shows on Alpha Centuria too. Radio. Yeah, so there you go. We'll be right back after following messages. Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give the awards to the Parax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolek, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benefit Hall, the Downton Abbey of Menace. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles and Next Generation. On Toginet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Well, now we're back to normal. It's part two of Ghost Chronicles International, and it's the co-host who always does the intro to the second half, because... Anyway, we're back to normal! Thank God, and our guest tonight is, well, um, me, I guess. <laughs> there you go. So after the scary start to Ghost Chronicles International tonight, um, we are now joined by Van Helsing, or Van H, as I've taken to calling him. So there you go. And we were talking about Ghostology, a new book published on the 3rd of November and in full stock at Amazon dot whatever you want to add to the end of it. 
the art of the ghost hunter. Hmm. Interesting. Before we uh, get back into the book, I do want to mention something that uh, I'm really proud to announce, and that, of course, is my In Search of Spirit weekend, which will be in in March, and uh, tickets are already selling for it, believe it or not. It's a full weekend of uh, spiritual enlightenment and ghost hunting. How can you beat that? And it's in a first-class place where you get your dinners and and, – breakfasts and you it's all there you get to hang out with me and and gail latch from wind soul studios as as well and uh we actually live in a nice perfect part of the end and then we have this old cap sea captain's house which is attached to the end that no one is in and we get to investigate it and conduct seances and all kinds of cool stuff so uh, go to Winsoul Studios and you can uh, uh, check it out. So there you go. All right. Hang, hang, on, well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. How come yep. you all, you always manage to do the really cool stuff just before I get there and after I've gone? Uh, what do you mean? It's in March. It's not after. That's what I mean. Well, it is. It's it's both before and after if it's in March. But mm. I remember. I mean, like the Mance, one of my favourite locations in, in the whole of New England. Mm-hmm. You did that. What was it? August. Or was it early September? Um, yeah, they get pretty soon too. Yeah, you see, you do all these really cool events when when I'm not there. It's like, and then you you sit there on the porch at the the beach house, and um, you go, oh, there's nothing to do, and it's really hard to find places to go. We, oh, we did that one. We can't go there again. We've done that twice this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you see, I think you just save them up till I've gone. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and I just get left with a. Uh, I've, I've got a, the dribbles are. The North Bridge is really cool place. It's just a shame that we were um, running late that night. <laughs> oh, before we go back on the ghost yeah. I actually, I actually need you to straighten out a point for me because I got in trouble over Thanksgiving uh, about this. Uh, tea is is tea your supper? Um, yeah. What? No. Um, Oh, now I'm confused. Right. Well, let me explain. We have explain this. Right. In Britain, unless you're very posh, we have three right. meals. You can tell whether if you're, if you're uh, from the north of England, you, yeah. have, you have three meals a day, which is breakfast, dinner, and tea. So dinner is in the middle part of the day. Tea is early evening, say, 5 o'clock. Um, so that's how it works. If you're posh and you're from the south of England, you would have breakfast, lunch and dinner so there's no tea uh tea is in the afternoon with so it's uh, like high tea high tea yeah um it's i'm from the north of england so is that for aristocrats uh yeah from from downtown abbey they would have breakfast lunch and dinner whereas i'm from up north uh where we're a bit more sort of blue collar a bit more working class and we all talk funny like this and what we have is breakfast dinner and tea Okay, and thank supper, you very much. And supper. That. Supper, which is something you have. Oh, what is supper? Supper is something you have prior to going to bed. So a late evening snack. I don't know. Is there an American equivalent to supper? Uh, snacks. Snacks. There you go. It's, it's not like a meal or nothing, though, is it? Uh, depends on your weight. <laughs> 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 okay. That's entirely dependent on your body mass index. <laughs> uh, okay. 
it's 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 not like a formal time though. I mean, you know, the whole family doesn't get together and have. Oh soccer. God, no, 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 no. We have, uh, in fact, in the twenty first century here and in the USA. I mean, do most do, do any families ever sit down now for meals except for high days and holidays? Yeah, there you go. It's all on the couch, isn't it? Yeah, and bankers, bankers. Anyway, uh, back to Ghostology. Uh, this is if you haven't got this book, I suggest you do. It's on uh, Amazon, US, Amazon, UK. It's written by a very good friend of mine. His name escapes me right now, but that's all right. Uh, if you look up Ghostology, you'll be able to find it. And uh, it, it's uh, it's an extensive book, which is you know interesting. I mean, you can just look at this and pick it up and, and open it up and, and it answers a, a lot of your questions or at least gives you thought of uh, a lot of the things that you've been wondering about. So I uh, I highly recommend it. Oh, thank you for that. I, mean, I was actually looking at the, um, once it had gone off to, when I got the proof back from the, the publisher, I was actually surprised at what it did cover. Um, yeah. It's one of those things because you write it over. I mean, you're you're doing the the new edition of Ghost Chronicles uh, with Maureen at the moment, and a book takes quite a long time to write. And I think you tend to forget what's actually in it. And when you do the editing process, you're not looking at the the thing as a whole. You're looking at it as a sort of uh, you know almost a page at a time. And to me, I. A lot of it, sort of. I, you know, my copy was delivered uh, two or three weeks ago, and I sat down and read it a few days ago, and I was genuinely surprised by what was in it. And I don't want to sound arrogant, but I actually was reading it, and, and this isn't even. This is a cool book, you know. Who wrote oh. this? And then you th- they think, well, actually, I did. Um, and it's it, it does. Um, it, it is. I was quite surprised, pleasantly surprised by what it did cover. Um, you know, it, it looks at all of uh, the things that I would like to include in a, a ghost hunting book. Mm-hmm. So uh, it met my criteria. But I don't know. Do you have that when you wrote your book um, uh, and the one that you're writing currently? Um, did you have that same thing when it was actually delivered? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, you know what? You, you write a book and you, you yep. become very familiar with it, and then you put it, right. you know, you put it down for a while, um, yep. and then you eventually pick it up and read it. And you think, God, that's actually quite good. Did I write that? Did I really manage to put that I, down? I, what? I, what? I'm sorry. Did you say read it? Well, yeah, there was a mistake. Okay, there, there you go. There's a mistake. <laughs> okay. Did you uh, find any difficulty with the editing process? That was the. That no. was the. Far harder for me than writing. I, I like the editing because, especially you know, I mean, our two, our two books are totally different. Uh, yours is is more of a fact based book. Well, I'm not saying that mine isn't factual, but it is. But it's more of of an experience book versus a. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, the differences, but you know, our ours are you know experiences that we had, and those have to be conveyed onto paper. Versus uh, just, and I shouldn't say just, but, um, you know, uh, thoughts on uh, different pieces of equipment, on technology and uh, techniques and so forth, and history and so forth. So it's a little bit different once, you know, personal experiences versus non-personal experience. I guess that's the best way to put it. So that, that's a little bit more difficult because in order to make our 
book as accurate as possible. We have to go back sometimes. I mean, cause some of these cases are, are fairly old, and, and uh, we have to actually look at the video and, and listen to some of the audio on it so that we say, wow, that's right, it went that way. Because as you know, and, and I bet you it's covered in ghostology. If it isn't, it should be, is that when the human mind gets away from an incident, uh, the facts actually change. Uh, do you agree with yeah. me on that? No, I totally agree. And I was about to ask you, uh, did you find that when you, you sat down with um, Maureen and reevaluated your uh, experiences, your, your investigations, did you find that your evaluation had changed? From the original oh, well, absolutely, because there are some, as I mentioned, some things that we thought was this particular way, but we went back and we listened to the actual tapes and everything. Oh, it's a little bit different. I mean, and of course, as ours is an actual experience book, I mean, we, we try to get the, the, you know, I mean, there are other people around us while this is going on, and we try to get their words precisely and, and not just make up. Uh, you know what we thought they said, so it, it's it, it's it's interesting, it really is, and we and we look at it, and we we have some laughs, and we have some uh, uh, you know apprehension at times, but uh, it is what it is. In in I am the way I am, and she is the way she is, and and we're trying to convey that as we is. Some people don't like it, and they certainly didn't like me in the first book, but that's the way life is. So get over it. Uh, anyways, back to ghostology. <laughs> well, it, we are on. We we're kind of sticking with ghostology but oh, you by the way an interesting I point well before you do that I, I i didn't see my name mentioned in ghostology i, I kind of went through it and i, I didn't see it anywhere forget i didn't forget anybody in fact you if you look carefully you'll not even see my name mentioned in it either yeah yeah yeah, yeah. except yeah. on the cover uh-huh, uh-huh. okay but, it does in, uh, ghostology does include uh, because I wanted. I'm just kidding, by the way, Steve. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, I ignored you anyway. Um, I the do. the um, I think you've got to. You, you talked about you being in the book, and I think one of the things I was very conscious about, and I did include some personal experiences within uh, ghostology, and indeed in paracoustics, because I wanted to convey that sense of me. And my thoughts, my experiences, um, you know, it wasn't, uh, it, it, you're absolutely right, ghostology is mostly written in a, in, uh, a factual base that, that removes the person. But uh, in order to illustrate that, there were, there were times when I was discussing the maglite and the human pendulum, for yeah. example, um, that I, I, I described my own experiences um, of, of, of those experiments because... Mm-hmm. I think putting, you've got to put something of yourself, even the way you write. And this was part of, I talked a little bit before about the, the di- I asked about the difficulty editing. One of the difficulties I had is that the, the uh, proofreading editor that was supplied by the publisher um, obviously didn't like my writing style in some places. <laughs> and thought that, thought that their writing style was better. Uh, which that, that. <laughs> that happened in paracoustics too, because you have a way you have a way of speaking that reflects your personality, and that's okay. also reflected in the way that you write things down. And the book is your book, and yet somebody comes along and they go, "No, no, no! You could have said it better." And then yeah. they they change two or three sentences, and you think, "What are you What are you doing? It's my book! Stop! Stop rewriting it!" Exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, that actually did cause a problem with paracoustics uh, because what they did is they didn't they didn't have the technical knowledge in order to rewrite some of the sentences they were writing, which were dealing with the physics of sound. And in that particular chapter in paracoustics, it led to them changing um, the, what the actual uh, set, uh, book uh, chapter paragraph was saying and so what i was very conscious about having done paracoustics earlier in the year uh with cal cooper was within ghostology uh the proofreader was not going that wasn't going to happen again and so uh i was much more aware of the proofreader is going to mess about with what i've written and so uh i didn't accept as many changes with ghostology as i did with paracoustics without carefully checking them first and only really allowed them to check uh, to check the spelling and the grammar. Yeah, I mean, it was difficult for us too because you said, you know, you are who you are, and and I conveyed that Marion and I conveyed that in the book, and people say that makes you look really bad. Well, I mean, that's the way it was, you know. Uh, Sometimes I can uh, what's the word? annoy people, uh, and and it certainly is conveyed that way. So, anyways, uh, what I mean, what was perhaps the most enjoyable chapter of of uh, ghost ghost ghostology to you? Um, oh gosh, the one I had the most fun with was chapter twenty one. The, which I'm not going to actually measure, mention what the content is. Those that bought, that bought the book will, will understand because I wanted to put something very much of me. Um, I take what I do like you very seriously, but like you, um, and you, you can deny it all you want, but you don't take yourself very seriously. Uh, and I don't. I, I I always worry when people you know stick their head up their ass and take themselves seriously. Um, and chapter twenty one was the one I had the most fun with. But in terms of the rest of the uh, other chapters, um, I think the introduction. I think because that set the tone. Really? For, absolutely. I think because that's the one I worked most on and the one I had the most um, most of me in it because. It was what it, it try, I was trying to encapsulate the book and my my ethos, my my beliefs, my my whole approach to paranormal investigating uh, in that in that chapter uh, in that in that introduction before chapter one, and I think it's it's probably a, you know it's one of the shortest uh, sections of the book, but it's the one that I think I worked hardest on and enjoyed working hardest on. Interesting. So, um, I'm trying to. If if you didn't want to give give up that information, I I think I know why too. But uh, yeah, that's true. But when you wrote the book, and you did you contact other uh, other leading authorities in the field, or is it pretty much uh, solely on your point of view? Well, obviously, there was a lot of uh, referring to uh, because there there is a, a great deal, particularly in the history section, looking at previous work, and of course, within the equipment section, is putting the equipment into context. Why why do we use a K two? What does it do? So the, there was a lot of referencing of um, and, and considering other people's perspectives and opinions, um, but. In actual fact, this is the book I wanted to write. Um, so it, it, they are my words and they are my thoughts. 
uh, people, I don't expect people to agree with them. And in fact, prior to publication, um, I was looking at the, some of the reviews for Paracoustics, and one of the, the my favourite review for Paracoustics was a one-star review that said and uh, one-word review that said repetitive. Um, <laughs> well, it would be repetitive if it was written about a single subject, sound and the paranormal. And I imagined that I would I would be best pleased with one star reviews because if I if I was getting five star glowing reviews for Paraca- uh, for Ghostology, I'd be kind of preaching to myself. Uh, and the sort of people, God, I hope they're not listening. But the sort of people I hope would read the book are the people that would hopefully object to what's in it because. Um, they know best. They've been ghost hunting for a long, long time. Um, and if they're ever, if they're listening to this, they'll probably be, uh, you know, personally affronted, and they'll take to Facebook in their droves and criticise me. Um, but you know, from my own experience, and I can only go from my own experience. I can't go from other people's experiences. Um, there is still a great deal wrong with paranormal investigation. You know, people get their ideas from Facebook and from watching television programs. Uh, right. Instead of looking for the original source of the material. How does an e- What is an EMF? You know, at the very basic level, I've met many investigators who don't understand the principles of electromagnetic fields. And yet this is stuff that they did at school. They don't understand the, the basic principles of science. They equate science to, to using equipment. Exactly. If, you, if you are doing science, you have to have things with batteries and flashing lights. And yet that's got nothing at all to do with science. Science is, is a method. It, it's got nothing to do with equipment. Mm-hmm. And they're the things that I wanted to... If I wanted to debunk anything, using that horrible word again, that was what I wanted to debunk. Amateur investigators, ghost investigators, have achieved, could achieve great things. And if we, if we equate it to astronomy and archaeology and other fields where amateurs are closely involved, most of if not all of the great advances in knowledge have come from the amateur researcher who has then gone on and, and kick-started the academics to get a research grant and grab the glory and the credit for, for the discovery. Uh, do you, so let me, let me ask you, you talked about reviews. I mean, do, do you take reviews seriously? In other words, do you, uh, when someone puts a review on it, do you uh, do you take that as a serious thought on on what you do and, and what the uh, I said I, I I do read reviews um, mm-hmm. and I do take on board what people say because um, obviously they have a point of view um, you know good right. bad or indifferent. Now, I don't expect or, you know, I wouldn't even be arrogant enough to presume that everybody's going to provide a a five-star review, a four-star review, or even like the book. You know, um, I expect I'm going to annoy a lot of people with the book or people will not agree with what I've written down. Mm -hmm. I'm pragmatic in in that perspective, but I do take on board what people say. And that was actually changed with Paracoustics because there were some things that people highlighted in their reviews in Paracoustics and we were able to change in in a second printing run um, to address some, some, some uh, comments, valid constructive criticisms that were made. Um, so, yes, it's important, I think, to read the reviews and take, take the, the criticism 
in the in the spirit hopefully of which it, it was given and provided um you will inevitably get those that, that just troll and hate and you, you you just have to take that on the chin and ride it right um uh, but one thing genuine speaking, constructive criticism is useful yeah. speaking of reviews uh we certainly would like to uh put that out for our listeners as well you're certainly welcome to go on to itunes and leave a review of the show and of, of Ghost Chronicles International or any of the Ghost Chronicles. And uh, if you look at some of the views, uh, you realize there are some people uh, who don't particularly like me, but uh, that's that's fine, too. I mean, you're welcome to your your opinion, and you're certainly welcome not to listen. But, uh, you know, so feel free to go on to iTunes. And, and you know, if, if, if there's something you'd like us to uh, – do a little differently, you know, maybe... Get, get, uh, two, if, get two new hosts. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, if the subject, subject matters uh, that you would like us to talk about as well, uh, we'd certainly, you know, what shows you liked, uh, what shows you didn't like. I mean, we, we're we here for you as much as ourselves, and, and uh, we'd love feedback on it. So if you don't want to do it on iTunes, you can just certainly go on to our Facebook pages and uh, there's all the Ghost Chronicles there and leave us a message there because, you know, we'd really like to hear from you and, and – hopefully be able to accommodate you if, if you've got a good good question or something you're really interested in. And, uh, you know, I, I see the, the figures in the show, so I notice a lot of people listen out there, and uh, I, I have some feeling of which shows do well and which shows don't. But uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, or even if you have a question, feel free. So I, I, I can promise one thing as well, that um, I know that we, we definitely read all of the comments on, on the Facebook pages and in the chat rooms. Um, I think we should fire the Parry News guy. He's just awful. All right, um, so that's me sacked then. <laughs> Parry. Thanks, Parry News guy. Who got who sacked him? I don't know. I think I think somebody's getting muddled up with Ghost Chronicles: The Next Generation. Though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was horrible. That was good. That was uh, real. You could tell that wasn't scripted at all. Yeah, well, he's gone now. He's oh, been wait fired. a minute. You know who was that? That was Nathan. Nathan, he's the parent. Funny guy. enough, it was Nathan that just wrote that onto, yeah, onto the... He's a, he's a parent news guy. Yeah, I saw. <laughs> I saw. You see, that's what we like. Maybe we should do a... Maybe we should do our own a sort of live television show. Uh-huh. You can get to you can get to rummage through the dressy up box one more time. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I noticed looking at the pictures, you love dressing up for that program. Oh, no, it's part of the... Uh, uh, what we do, so I reluctantly have to. I reluctantly, I've never known anybody with such an extensive dressing up box in my entire uh, life. Andrew, what about Andrew? <laughs> huh? What about Andrew? Uh, Andrew, who? Taylor. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Psychic medium Andrew Taylor, who's been a guest on this show several times, has probably got a larger dressy up box than you. There you go. Uh, but he goes full character. I mean, he is he he just spends a fortune and studies the character. You know, he doesn't just slap an eye patch on and call himself a pirate. Oh um, wow! You think you that's know. what I do, huh? That's is that the way you think? I <laughs> Fine, let that be then. Let the gauntlet be dropped. <laughs> oh, uh, before we before we disappear because we're we've got the yeah, bell coming up in a minute. Yeah. We've got to remind everybody that uh, we there is the bell that we have the show taken off us in a couple of weeks' time. Don't we? we have the what? 
we have the show taken off us in a couple of weeks time. It's time for that. It's almost time for that annual tradition of hand it over. Oh, to our... I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I've already been reminded. We have to step aside for one night a year. I don't think so. And we have to do the nightmare before Christmas. Uh, not the nightmare before Christmas. No, what we was made it we did the last nightmare year? before Christmas. What was it we did last year? Yeah, that's what we called it last year. What was that thing we did? Twas the night before Christmas. Night before Christmas, yes. Yeah, that went down very well last year. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst version of it I've ever heard. No, I thought it was very good, and I think we can uh, do even better. Tw- yeah, tune in on the 22nd of December for that. Uh, I'm not nightmare. guaranteeing anything. Uh, maybe Particular you are, but nightmare. I ain't. You may be doing that show with your lovely, but I'm not sure I will be there. <laughs> I'm just saying. You don't have to. You and I don't have to be be there that night. We get a yeah. night off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't trust them to have my show. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways this the one minute warning uh you can uh, find out more about paracoustics and steve parsons from his website which is what um it's www.theghosthunter all one word theghosthunter.webs.com and if you go to ghostology the art of the ghost hunter uh, on Amazon, you'll find it. It's got a horrible green cover and a comedy ghost on the front. Uh, there not, you to go. Be, not to be mistaken by an American book called Ghostology 101. Oh, really? Mm. Is it any good? I don't know. I'm waiting for yeah. my copy to arrive. A Ghostology 101? Ghostology 101. They might oh. have done it better. They probably did. Well, you see, I'm never, I'm never too arrogant enough to, um, you know, learn, read other people's work and so if it. you want to find more about me, go to my website, which is ronaldkolek.com, K-O-L-E-K, or neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And until then, I guess there's the tunes we got to go. So, Good night, God bless. Yeah, I guess. Time to wrap it up. So yeah. anyway, good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.